Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is Cherry Healy, who is one of the UK's most loved TV presenters. She has covered everything from women's health, sex, money, dating, and parenting. And today, I hope you get to touch on all of those things. Terry, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing? Alice, I've been a big fan of yours for many, many years, so I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> now, look, fantastic. We- I actually really mean it. I have. I've followed you for years and I love you too. I, I appreciate that so much. And I also equally love you. And um, I we actually met for the first time recently and it was... I have to say, one of my favorite times I've ever met someone in real life where they've yes, just been sorry. amazing. You know, like I, <laughs> I actually came home and I remember saying to Paddy, I was like, I met Cherry Healy today and she's probably one of the coolest people I've ever met. <laughs> oh my God, I love you. And I want that written down so I can show my friends who think I'm a bit of a twat. Um, oh, that's lovely. That I loved meeting you too. It was a really fun evening. It was um lots of ball gowns and I think there was quite a few chicken wings. I ate quite a few yeah, chicken wings that night. I think we ate a lot of um pizza Nacho. and chicken chicken goujons, which apparently weren't supposedly chicken nuggets. Listen, we no th- one should be allowed to use the word goujon. It's like goujon. or decorated. <laughs> this woman told us off basically for calling them chicken chicken nuggets. We were like, "Where's the chicken nuggets?" And she was like, uh, "The goujons." Oh, they're there. I'm sorry, <laughs> I refuse to use the word goujon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be serious now, Alice. Okay. Right, I yeah. am moving on from the goujon. I am genuinely. I'm so fascinated by your career, Cherry, because I feel like you're someone who's kind of lent their hand to so many massive topics you know some people they kind of fall into one category of that being their thing but you really span so many things and Mm. you know recently and I loved your documentary that came out last year about women's health taboos you've done we were just talking about inside the factory you've done stuff on money dating parenting you know you really do kind of lend your hand to lots of different things and I'd love to hear genuinely how how you started out in the TV world because we know that it's really hard to get into and can be quite a cutthroat industry so you know from being a young a young cherry how did you get into TV presenting? Well firstly very observant and it is the bane of my agent's life probably that um I don't have this like very select niche and I've always been, you know, always being asked, what are your brand columns and what's your niche? And I'm like, well, I don't really know because I kind of go where my interest takes me and where the work is. As you know, that's how things work. Um, But I've been really lucky to be able to cover things, talk about things that are the, the subjects I'm talking about with my friends that's probably the umbrella of my career is subjects that feel important in that moment that we're trying to figure out. Life changes so much and society is constantly shifting as it should and it's a fluid thing and you think you are, you know, and, and also our lives are shifting and changing. So you go, right, right, okay, so in my 20s, I want meaning and purpose and career and money. We're talking about that and how to manage that. And then you've got, oh my God, and now we're at babies. Oh, well, do we want them? Do we not want them? How do we want to have them? Do we want to 
breastfeed or not breastfeed. Oh my gosh. And then you get into your 40s and you're like, oh, do I want to carry on drinking alcohol or not? My hormones are changing. That's affecting me. Sleep has suddenly become really important. Do I want to go out? Do I not want to go out? Work has become really important again because my kids are growing up. Blah, blah, blah. So I feel like my career has followed those conversations and I feel really very lucky. And then the, but the joy of Inside the Factory has been a, it's very rare in TV to have a constant and Mm. for however long it lasts, it's been a really good friend. I've made strong friendships, lovely friendships, hopefully forever friendships. Um, I sound like a Christmas card. Uh, uh. Anyway, (laughs) good, nice, lovely friendships. I value hugely Um, from that show. That's very rare in the freelance world. You're jumping from one island to the next. So Inside the Factory has been gorgeous. How I got into TV is, it was a, was a really funny one for me. I wanted to be a director very much. I um, I did drama therapy at school, well, at university. And then I decided I didn't want to do that. I went to a party, met someone who was a director at the BBC, had the, had the eureka moment, like the huge, massive intervention from uh, outer space or God or whatever you want to call that. And it was absolutely clear. It was the clearest direction I've ever had in my life about anything. Um, I quit my job. I was working in marketing at the time, so I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was watching a lot of Sex and the City, and I thought that that would be a sensible job, and I'd get to have lunch with my girlfriends, but I didn't do any of that. I wore awful clothes. So I quit my job. I wrote to every single production company in London. I knocked on their doors. I went to visit them. I called them. It was really, really hard. And then finally one said, okay, you can come and work for free. And then finally, after many, many knocking of the doors, I got into the BBC on work experience. And I tell you, I was the keenest bean in the whole world. I I stayed late. I got there super early. I was the first one there. I stayed late. I cleaned cupboards I cleaned small warehouses. I organized things. I do like to organize things. I I learned the cameras. I stayed late in the edit suite. I was just in heaven. And then they gave me a position as a runner. And I t- and honestly, I've done some wild and wonderful things in my career, and I'm never endingly grateful for them. However, I just don't know if anything's ever going to top getting a laminated security pass to go into the BBC and to get paid to do it. I remember walking through the rotating doors. It's now White City, it's now like BBC Studios, but at the time it was the BBC mothership. It was the television mothership. I remember walking in like it was yesterday. I remember the smell of the lobby with my little plastic card that let me through the doors. Oh, it's just, I thought I can't. I'd prayed about it. I remember cycling home one day in the rain, and you know, when you like offer something to the universe, I was, it was that deep grunty prayer, like really like all body prayers. Like I just, I just want this. I want this. So anyway, I was runner, researcher, assistant producer. And then I got um, this really random, I got my friend Rob, who was a producer in another production company said, oh, they're looking for this they're looking for what's called an immersive journalist. And I was like, well, what's that then? And he said, well, you're going to go and live with them. You speak to them. And he was like, you love people. And he's not someone who loves people. So 
He's like, you really love people. You love the casting process. You love talking to the people. You are nosiest person I know and haven't really got a very developed sense of embarrassment. He's like, I think this would be good. We made a film in the office. We had Prosecco and we ate pizza and we made this little tape. He asked me questions. I never thought anything of it. I never thought anything would come of it. And also I was so obsessed with becoming a director that, but he sent it off. And then this is obviously a long story short, but he, it's not that short. It's pretty long, but he called me and said, wow, they, they're going to give you a, they're going to give you a try. And I was commissioned by BBC three very bravely to make a show, a, a documentary about women's relationship with alcohol called Cherry Goes Drinking. And that, Alice, is how it began. That is crazy. And also, like, it's really, you know, like, I really love stories of kind of hustle. And I think hard hustle. Yeah. And two things really came up for me there, because I think, firstly, I love that I love stories like that. I think that often we can kind of skim over, especially as women, how fucking hard we have to work sometimes to get to where we want Mm. to be like I really appreciate when someone like you says I had to bang on a thousand doors in order for Mm. one to open and I think that that's it's real and it's authentic and it really I guess is is quite nice to hear you know stuff doesn't come easy in life I think sometimes and I'm I'm so I'm so susceptible to this even though I everything you're saying is so true and I know it and I feel it I go on Instagram or other uh, other social media sites but mainly Instagram let's be fair and <laughs> I feel like I can get really easily sucked into everyone's doing amazingly everyone's earning all this money everyone's super successful everyone's traveling everyone's in these amazing relationships it's really easy it's and it can take 30 seconds to go from I value myself I love where I'm at in my life I understand the process and I'm at peace and I feel good about my day it 30 seconds and you can undo that and can I can tell you how like, many times how many times that happens to me a day? Oh, you know, like oh, I like so to think awful. it's so awful. It's so You're awful, so and I like so to think. Awful. Does it? Jen, can you be honest with me? Just yeah, of be course. Brutally honest with me, with with me. You're super successful, respected. You've got a great niche. You know what you're doing. People know who you are. Do you really get that feeling? But but I think but I think that that is almost the the difficult place that like one can find themselves in is when you achieve a certain level of success and there's a certain amount of notoriety and, um, you know, kind of inspiration that people then draw from you. I think that it's almost, look, first of all, I have to caveat this because of the world that I'm in by saying, I'm incredibly grateful for where I am. And yes, exactly the same as you. I've had to work really, really hard to be where I am. And I'm not in any way saying, woe is me, isn't life hard? But I think that the difficult... Um, place that a lot of successful people I'm not just saying myself I actually think this is kind of something that is common across a lot of people who've had success and sometimes success very very quickly is Mm. that the bar has been placed very high for what then qualifies you as good work or successful work or a successful career so trying to keep up with constantly meeting that threshold becomes exhausting. So, you know, as you start to quieten down and, uh, you know, as you said, I am in a different stage of my life to 10 years ago when I first started and there are different things happening for me and going on and different priorities. I'm thinking, you know, 
oh, but she's doing this and they're doing that. And God, I should be doing this. And there, there are even my contemporaries who I started with that I'm like, oh God, should I be doing what she's doing? And yeah. you know, it's the constant questioning of ourselves. And I don't think it matters who you are and how successful you are. We all have to some degree, a debilitating internal narrative, internal chatter that can trip us up and catch us out even when we do the work and we are confident yes. in ourselves. And I think that's the reality that so many of us have to have to kind of sit with. Absolutely. I'm doing some really interesting work on myself at the moment. I mean, I'm determined to get this down. And, you know, this is a really interesting chapter. I'm 42. I've done various things in my career. I've got two gorgeous kids. I feel really lucky. I, you know, I've managed to black bag myself a house listen all these things but what I've realized is I still suffer from a feeling of inadequacy and not enoughness and what I've realized is it will never because I think I do seek validation externally it will never be enough ever it will never be enough if Cherry 10 years ago could look at me now she'd be like oh my god that's so exciting you you've had TV work for 12 years, 15 years. No, like you've actually been employed in that you've bought a house, you bought a house. Oh my God, that's so I would have been, and yet daily and sometimes all through the day, I have a sense, I can have a sense, you know, some days I feel like a badass bitch, of course. However, <laughs> I'm interested that at the place I'm at, I would have mm. thought that I would have peace. I would have a strong sense of self-worth and of course that yeah like I, there are days when I really really do but I'm interested that it's not this it's not like you wake up in the morning and you go oh I'm I'm just amazing and I've done everything I want to do you really don't you're absolutely still susceptible to huge self-doubt and yeah. worry and so the work that I'm doing on myself now is to as much as possible to not seek external validation but to validate myself it's an inside job you clearly know what I'm talking about, but that is a daily decision. It's almost like I'm trying to hypnotize my subconscious currently to feel at peace. There's always going to be someone who's got more than me. There's always going to be someone who's got more shows, more money, a big, you know, there are some people that look at me and think you're 42 and you're single. The freedom there to do what you want to do and not have to be in a relationship that's actually really tricky and difficult. You know, I'm lucky that I have lovely friends and my my relationship you know with my kids family and all of those people involved is really happy like it's a really so yeah I'm there are so many reasons to feel grateful free and at peace with whether where I am at life and yet that fucking gremlin gets me on the regular and I realize that if I can find a way to get rid of that I think the happiness and peace that I feel with life will be really quite wonderful. And and you know what? Let's go into that because you know what I think, you know, just just when you were talking then, so much was coming up for me in the sense that you were talking about 12 years ago, Cherry would be like, oh my God, how amazing. Oh, about everything you've done, which I completely agree with. But I I have grown up pretty much in the age of social media. Every success that I've ever achieved, I've posted about online. And that is totally and utterly because I want other people to tell me how great I am yes, I'll yes. own that like I will own that but like 
I think that when we think about life previously and particularly, you know, first of all, I, I will never, ever, ever believe that you're 42. I just cannot. What the hell? <laughs> I was <laughs> I'm so glad that this is not envisioned because I thought no makeup pretty much no, I've you, just been running around the house doing long but listen yeah it's a really interesting time in life but you look amazing but what I would I say is you. you you grew up in a time where if something happened to you you'd ring your mom and say mom like you know, I remember when I first got my first um job in a musical I remember ringing my the first thing I did was I rang my mom and I said mom oh my god I've got this job and like crying and that, that feeling and it and it wasn't about validation it was about sharing that news with the people that would genuinely yes. be happy for you and I'm not saying that online communities can't have that same reciprocal feeling of, of caring about what you do but it, it's almost as though like we have we have more of a point to prove now we, we yeah. you know a, anything happens to anyone you know about it I see my friends I'm like I know what you've been up to I know what you've achieved Beast. all online yeah it's a piece that needs to be fed daily and that's another thing that's really and, and you know we talked about earlier about society changing constantly evolving mm. changes which is why the conversations are so interesting to hear unpick what's going on one of the things that's going on is where's a beast that needs feeding daily and we're not making that up the algorithm will punish you if you do not post daily and i've been i mean i would happily post two times a week things that i really care about but actually well, I do. I love posting and I love engaging, but I am consciously aware that it's like an abusive relationship because some days you don't want to. You can go through heartbreak, disappointment, sadness, grief, all those things, or just be feeling really peaceful mm. and really quiet and contained and just content. But you need to keep feeding that beast. And I think it's it changes your cognitive function yeah. because whilst I'm very aware that peace and contentment is an inside job and it's about that gratefulness and groundedness every single morning that goes through your day. I am still juggling the beast that needs to be fed. So how do you, how do those things, that's what I'm trying to work at the moment. How can we live in a world where you're a public person and you have to feed the beast or you want to feed the beast and have inner peace? Can those two things exist? together. And I think as well, it's not even just public people. This is why I think it's so relatable to anyone oh, yeah, who's listening. I don't actually think that it's almost exclusive to to those who have a, a bigger profile. The one thing that I would say as well, and I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing in the sense that like, we just have changed the barometers of, of success and of validation and all these things. And yeah. I've noticed in myself, funnily enough, and it's interesting that you brought up happiness and peace and all those words, because I would say right now, I'm probably in the best place I've ever been emotionally, mentally, physically. But as a result of that, I actually have posted less than I ever have done on Instagram. I've, I've, I've engaged way less because, because I've almost, I've not needed someone to tell me, you look mm. great, Alice. I've not sought out someone to, to pick me up in the morning when I've woken up feeling like shit. And I need someone to be like, you're amazing, Alice. I, you're great. You know? And I know that it's so self-indulgent to talk about this stuff, but genuinely, I think that it's a really interesting dynamic that at my lowest, I've engaged the most. I've lent on my community who have been amazing amazing by the way to yes. prop me up and to help me and actually I'm finding now that I'm just trying to navigate this new space where I'm genuinely happy for sure I have my days where that gremlin is is overwhelming yeah. but for the most part I'm happy Can I ask you a question yeah go for it is there a part of you that doesn't or feels awkward or to post when you're happy in case people aren't happy for you and you feel I I have a real thing about not I don't I'm 
rubbish at posting when I'm really happy because I feel a bit like if I've woken up on a Saturday and I've had like a beautiful early morning walk and I go to the gym and I make a smoothie and I, I kind of want to share that because it brings me joy and it's like oh I wonder if someone else will f- but I don't because I wouldn't want to be smug I have such a strong yes. I've got this <laughs> allergic reaction to coming across as a smug twat and I will literally be with my phone with this lovely post and I'll be like tap it tap 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 and then I'll go <laughs> Oh God, you seem like such a twat and I'll delete it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like there is this weird thing where, but but again, that is the algorithm. The algorithm feeds yeah. us being vulnerable and sharing. And yes. look, I, like for the most part, I enjoy that stuff. I enjoy being able, I'm more open with my Instagram community than I am with my close friends. Like genuinely sometimes yeah. I'll talk about binge eating. I'll talk about body image stuff. I'll talk about body dysmorphia where I don't have those conversations with my friends. It almost feels to me like this safe space that I can lean on Um, but in the same breath I just feel like the happy the happy vibe it's almost like people really relate to you when you're at your lowest and and I see I'm not just saying this with me I'm saying this with actually loads of people that I've seen you know someone gets in a relationship or they they are become very happy they get a job that they really want or whatever they buy a house and there's almost a level of kind of uncomfortable oh but you know we liked you when you were sad and we liked you when you were um, struggling and and we liked you when you were a bit kind of miserable and actually now I'm I'm a bit uncomfortable with you being so happy like how dare you get happy I think that that is a sense of survival because we Mm. are we're we're energetic beings right we're just all we really are is batteries of energy in this weird fleshy package so (laughs) really the most important thing about human beings is the energy that they carry and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad when you've got low energy you, if you look at an animal when they go towards something that they think is threatening, they will lower their energy. And so there's also, I'm, and I'm aware that I can do this sometimes. I, I'll lower my energy, and because people people won't attack you as easily, you know. And on social media, if you say I'm amazing, I'm the best, look at my great place, look at my great, you're so much more easy to attack because you're kind of fair game. Whereas if you're like, I feel sad and I don't feel good people are much less likely to attack you. I also agree with you. It is lovely to share. I've shared lots of things extensively that I haven't shared with my friends, partly because when I have with my friends, we eat roast chicken and baguettes and hummus and we have a proper giggle and a laugh and they don't always want me to be wanging on. But um, yeah, it's a really difficult one to be authentic. I'm also, the older I get, the more private I get Mm. because I'm realizing that Anonymity. Oh, I find it really hard to say that word. Anonymity. What do I mean? Is that right? Yeah, anonymity. Okay, well, there we go. I'm not going to try try it three times. But there is a real preciousness to a level of that. And also, people just, people can't come after you. So I'm, I'm balancing wanting to share. I naturally love to share with people and be really honest with people, but also protecting some things. And, and not feeling pressured to share everything. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. And, and I think you're probably right. I feel like I'm probably moving more into that category of it's really interesting with social media that I think a lot of people feel, and even I feel this with people that I follow, I feel like I know all of them. I feel like I'm like so involved in their life. I see everything and you feel like they share a lot when actually they only really share five ten percent of their actual reality and I think that's that's the hard thing to sometimes get your head around you know I've had I've had people that I've met in real life and they've sort of been like oh and they've thought I'm 
I'm one way and I'm sort of like, oh no, no but this is this is actually me and this is actually the the person that I am. And and whilst whilst we can do our very best, and look, it's not to say that I don't try and be absolutely authentic online. I've never tried to show up as yeah. anything other than myself. I know that you are exactly the same, which is why I love yeah. you. Um, but that's not to be that's not to say that we don't still to a certain extent censor ourselves our own sanity you know you can't yeah, I mean, give all of yourself yeah totally I mean people I sometimes think people think I must be so boring because I don't post about my girlfriends and I don't post about my kids and those are the people I basically hang out with most of the time so I sometimes think on Instagram people must think god she's really sad she doesn't do anything because I don't I don't act this the, the two big things that I do like my my home friends my, my home male friends and my home girlfriends. I didn't post about them because they didn't want to be on Instagram. They're my, that's, they're most my gang and they, we just munge around together. So yeah, it's, I look at my Instagram and I think people must think I literally just get ready in my room. That's, and then go to like these funny dinners and these funny awards. That's my entire life. Whereas no, there's all sorts of other things like you say, but it's difficult, even though I know that let's say Susan, who I follow on Instagram, she's got this perfect house, this perfect boyfriend, this perfect kids and everything's perfect. I know in my mind that Susan has awful days where her car won't start in the morning and her kids are being dicks and her husband's not being a nice person and all these things. And she's worried about money because she's had this huge, even though I know that Susan has awful days, I struggle to remember that on a daily basis Mm. because you just see this, you see the sheen of and because I get more as I get older I become I'm becoming more private I do I'm aware that I share less about stuff that really upsets me and lots does and I've had a I've had a really tough year but I haven't really shared Mm. any of it online because you know I don't want to have to talk about people that are involved you know it's it's heartbreak basically yeah you know I keep that or I keep that really private because it involves other people and so yeah, it's fuck it, it's really hard, isn't it? But I think that's where we go full circle to being vulnerable because you're right. If 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 you try mm. and be everything's great, everything's perfect, where where can anyone connect to that? Whereas if you let your exactly. guard down, you be vulnerable, you allow people in as much as it creates yeah, for a sometimes challenging dynamic. Vulnerability is how I've made the best friendships I've ever had. I let my guard down and I let people in and I don't do that with everyone, but the people that I do, but and it's people that you feel comfortable around. I remember when I first met you like <laughs> I felt, I felt like I could tell you my life story because we get on uh, we have very good we have very um symbiotic <laughs> energies you and I but I just feel like yeah I think vulnerability is how we connect if we yes. allow people in we show our weaknesses quote yes. unquote that is how we connect we'll be back after this Welcome back to Give Me Strength. Look, I would love to talk about some of your really interesting stuff because I feel like we could go on to th- about this for ages, but I genuinely, I'm, there's so much I want to ask you about because I feel like you've had such an interesting career. One of my favorite things is really your kind of trajectory of going down the women's health pathway. And I think particularly for my listeners and everyone who follows me, I do think that your work around women's health has been really amazing. You had your documentary that came out last year, which was, you know, the breaking of taboos, which I think is is brilliant and so needed. Can you talk to me a little bit about making that? What shocked you? What did you enjoy about it? What were the biggest learnings? It was such a gift from the universe, that show. It was four episodes. 
we covered things like endometriosis, fibroids, menopause, misdiagnosis of menopause and endometriosis and incontinence and all sorts and and so many topics, vaginal dryness, so many topics that we, we're not really allowed to talk about in public. I actually did a panel with Davina last week and she was saying that she there was a real fork in the road for her with talking about menopause and she noticed, you know, she was talking to her community and we, going back to being vulnerable and how that lets you have a level of intensity and acknowledgement and intimacy with people. She said that, you know, there was a fork in the road where she thought, do I want to talk about this? Because we live in such an ageist society. I don't want to be thought of as unfanciable, unsexy, you know, over the hill. And she said that she she decided to to go fuck, fuck it because... It's worth if one woman, if I can help one woman. I mean, I so respect her because she was one of the first people to speak openly about it in the public. Mm. From you know, she potentially risked she risked her entire career and possibly relationship and all those things, and it's paid off in dividends because she was really brave. So I was surprised by almost everything we covered on that show. It was for Channel Five. It's called Women's Health: Breaking the Taboos. Some of the shocking things. So endometriosis is almost unheard of. It's as common as diabetes. And yet hardly anyone's heard of it. It takes on average, this is just awful, this stat, it takes on average eight years to diagnose. And in that time, a woman, a girl will be sent back from her doctor a thousand times with heavy periods, bleeding, pain. It can be, and endometriosis is essentially when the lining of the womb can grow in rogue places. It can grow on your pelvis, on your, it can be almost anywhere in your body and it can cause huge, huge, huge pain. And it's cyclical. So when you are on your period, when you're menstruating, that tissue will, will will be activated as well. So the problem with misdiagnosis is, A, that woman is exhausted and missed days of school, university, promotions, getting married, finding a relationship. But also it can lead to infertility. If someone isn't diagnosed, it can lead to infertility. So it's, it's really devastating for a woman to be misdiagnosed. Other facts, you know, black women are one in, you know, four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. I mean, there's the medical misogyny and the and the racism um, in our NHS is unfortunately it's quite bad. It's only been 50 years since women have been included in medical research because we have been deemed small men instead of physiologically different. And we are very different. We are cyclical. We're amazing. We have hormones that are like a beautiful piece of music and they change all the way through our life. That tempo and the rhythm of that music changes. And we can either suffer and struggle or we can be educated about our different physiological makeups, both as women and as individuals, and we can thrive. But if we don't get the help that the the, the medical world it can offer, then it becomes very difficult. A lot of women are, the gender pain gap is huge. So women are three times more likely to die of a heart attack than a man. Than a man. Because if you, present, if you present symptoms of a heart attack and you're not given care pretty, pretty quickly um, and you get sent away, you're 70 more, 70% more likely to die in the first 24 hours. So, I mean, you're being a woman means self often means self educating about your body and it means speaking up and it means sometimes going to get a second opinion and and so i learned a huge amount making that program 
36 different symptoms of the menopause. And also, what the fuck, what the hell is perimenopause? What? I've only just learned about menopause. And so perimenopause is the period of time before you hit the menopause, before you have your last period. The menopause is when you have your last period and it, your, your, peri, your, your menopause or 12 months after you've had your last period, okay? Perimenopause can start in your late 30s. And what that is, is your hormones are changing and they can happen really, it can happen really incrementally. Your sleep can change. You can start not feeling like yourself. This is what happened to me. Um, generally, I've had fairly happy disposition. I feel really like happy to be alive and I'm really grateful for that. I do, I have quite like a Labrador energy. Like if you throw me a ball, I'll go and get it. And then I also want you to pet me. And then also, is it supper time? Like that's my vibe. And I'll, if you want to go on a walk, I'll go on a walk with you. Like I've got full like Labrador energy. And in my late thirties, early forties, that really changed for me. And I started to feel really down and wake up feeling really, really down. And I'd wake up at four in the morning with I, it's the closest of panic attack that I've ever had, like palpitations. I didn't tell anyone for ages because I thought I was going a bit mad. And I made some lifestyle changes and everything carried on. So I thought this is this is really weird. And I suffered in silence like a complete idiot for over a year with these increasingly bad feelings. And um, yeah, I just really lost my mojo. I really lost my love of life and I felt like worried and scared a lot of the time, which is so unlike me, so unlike me. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And then I was speaking to a gynecologist and the interview finished and I said, can I just have five minutes of your time, please? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And I've met him a few times in my career. So I trusted him greatly. I knew he was the real deal and he was a and he said, um, he said, yeah, it sounds like you're, I told him what had been going on. I got quite emotional. You know, in the first time you said something. Yeah. Like, oh, and I was like, okay, I'm okay, actually. And I, we'd, I'd literally been interviewing him about menopause. And I was like, I think I'm not okay, actually. And I'm really struggling at the moment. Although I present, you know, I presented, you know, I don't mean present as in being a presenter, but like uh, the, uh, the uh, visit, you know, t to the naked eye, you wouldn't necessarily have known that I was really struggling because... You get on with life. Anyway, he said, you're definitely, he said, you're almost certainly perimenopausal. These are some supplements to take. These are some lifestyle choices to make. And they've been so huge. And I've been working really um, a lot on my gut health as well, because I didn't realize that for a woman, when you reach your, it's always important, always throughout your life. When you hit your forties, you need to make best friends with your gut like you and your gut need to be uh, you need to look after your gut like a cashmere jumper give that gut all the good stuff and I'm really lucky I'm working with a company called the better menopause and they've got this amazing supplement called the better gut and wow I tell you this I don't know I don't know if it's that or the supplements I've been taking or the lifestyle choices but I feel so good at the moment and it's such a relief. I can't tell you, Alice. I wake up in the morning and I feel happy. I feel really like, you know, I don't always feel happy, you know, but I feel I've, I've, I've got my mojo back. Yeah. And I think that that's like the one thing that, um, you know, 
for women or women that I've spoken to anyway, the biggest thing is there's nothing worse than you don't quite feel yourself and you're not oh. quite sure why. You know, if I have a cold, I take a paracetamol, I might stay in bed for a day or whatever. If I, you know, get sick from something else, like we, we you know, if yeah. I get injured, we sort of mm. know that two plus two equals not four. True, like, we, but like, yeah, to, we've got a plan. Pastors or yeah. something. The thing that I've learned with, and actually I would attribute this as well to, to both periods and the menopause is the spectrum of symptoms and experiences is so vast that, you know, there isn't a simple solution. And so women can suffer in silence or, or even if they are asking for help, they're going to have to try multiple things in order to get themselves to a place where they're like, oh, this really works for me. You know, like I suffer with incredibly painful periods. I've got something called adenomyosis, which basically means it's very similar to endometriosis, but slightly mm. different. So it's like right. a thickening of the womb lining. And basically it means that I have exceptionally painful periods. They're not, mm. sorry, to be a bit TMI, but we're, we're on the subject of, but yeah, they're not he heavy. Yeah. They're just really painful. Like I can feel like I'm going to throw up or faint oh. or whatever. I cancel work a lot of the time. And it's only in the last kind of, I'd say the last three, to four months that I've finally been prescribed this painkiller, which I literally cannot function without now. As in, when I know that my cycle is coming, Paddy, actually, my, my fiance was like, he's like, I know that you need, like, if we ever go anywhere, if we ever travel anywhere, he's like, you need two things. You need to make sure that you, um, I like bring your whatever, like, I take this thing called Athletic Greens, which is, um, I love. And, and also yes. your painkillers, make sure you've got your painkillers. Because honestly, otherwise it's debilitating, you know, it, and it, and I just think that I've gone for years with painful periods and only now have I finally got something that's like a bit of a solution. What did you think it was before and how, what's your kind of interaction with the medical world? Like, How did you get the diagnosis? So I've been through hoops and hoops. I haven't spoken about this too much because there's always a level of like feeling a little bit um, embarrassed about the fact that I did end up going private and, and, and it sort of, it jars with me because I know that oh, I, yeah. it's, it's not something that everyone can do, but I was at the point where I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I'm really struggling. And it was just really getting me down. You know, like I, if we had a wedding, for example, on a day that I would get my period, I would just be weeks of anxiety thinking about the fact that, oh my God, what am I going to do? And where am I going to go? And what happens yeah, if I need, you know, it would just be that bad. So anyway, did you I went to, to your GP before and what, what did they say? And how many times did you have to knock so on the door? Yeah, originally. So I've, yeah, I really, this, without going on to me, because I'm like, oh, let's talk about you. But I really feel like I'm talking about me. But, but um, originally I went to the GP and they said, um, what did they originally say? They sent me to a gynecologist. I went to see a gynecologist, a different one, not the one that I've seen now. I went to go and see this gynecologist and they said, um, you've got PCOS. That was it. So this was a, this yeah. was quite a few years ago. They diagnosed with PCOS, which was actually a wrong diagnosis. Mm. I don't have PCOS. I did have cysts on my ovaries, but those were because I was at the time severely underweight and I was, it okay. was something to do yeah. with be, being underweight so they diagnosed with PCOS that was a wrong diagnosis I now don't have any cysts on my ovaries oh wow what happened was there's a woman called the gyna geek who I will literally she's yeah. Anita Mitra yeah I know I'll her. literally sing her praises until the cows come home because she is genuinely one of the most amazing women and 
you know, like she has always got time for me. I remember we would go and we we'd be like used to train together at the gym, and I'd obviously be like, it's really awkward when you're friends with the doctor. That the last thing you want to do is be like, so can I just ask you a question about my periods? Like it's the last thing you want to do. But we did go for, we did go for a training session together, and I just said, look, I'm just gonna have to ask you. I was like, I'm really struggling. Can you just give me a recommendation of someone? And she very kindly recommended. Um, in fact, I can I can say him on here because it might be helpful people. But it's a guy called Dr. Joseph Yazbek who is private. He's on Harley Street, but he is beyond lovely, like the nicest gynecologist I've ever come across because I had some pretty unpleasant experiences up to that point. And uh, he was unbelievably helpful. Like literally within the space of like five minutes, I felt completely at ease. I felt listened to. I felt like he gave me a thorough examination, internal, external, whatever, everything. And he was like, yeah, you've got something called, you know, explained it to me. Finally, I got the answers. But this was after like five years. So it was a long time. So yeah, that is that is my story in a nutshell. And now we've gone completely off topic. But yeah. That, I think that's really helpful of you to tell your story because I think, listen, I know that you ended up in, in private care and that is often what happens because yeah. until, and I'm, this isn't a slag, I'm not slagging off the um, NHS. The NHS is obviously incredible, wonderful. Individuals who work there are, are trying with all their heart and passion to help people. I mean, However, Anita's, Anita's in the NHS and she's brilliant, but it was more just the wait time. It was... Oh, yes, Sunny. Wait times have increased by 225% the la- mm. over the last 10 years. So a woman mm-hmm. who might be seen in a month is now waiting 24 months a plus. And that's yeah. a very different diagnosis for a lot of women. So it's a real problem. I mean, they've, they've mm. increased 60% during COVID, but it's been getting bad. It's bad. It's been bad for 10 years. Mm. Um, and then for some women, that's a real life or death situation. So yes, get a second opinion. Yes. Knock on the door. Yes. Educate yourself. But if you are not getting the answers or the relief that you need, if you can afford it, um, go private because you can go and see a specialist. Some GPs haven't had any specialist medical training when it comes to women's gynecological health because you don't have to in your medical training, as a GP, you don't have to study women's health. Um, you know, you, that's why I think a lot of GPs misdiagnose the menopause as, as depression. And I, I spoke to a lot of women who are on, have been on antidepressants for 10 years or plus, and that can do a lot of damage to your relationships and again, your sense of self. And it also doesn't deal with the problem because the problem is hormonal. But I think I, I like, I, and, and, and the thing is, is that what I can totally empathize with, and I know that there'll be people listening who feel the same is it started to affect every aspect of my life. It yeah, was my relationship, yeah. my social life, my job. I literally, you know, I have to film X amount of times a week for my app. I could not work. It was yeah. like, it would, ju- and, and I got to the point where I was like, look, and also like one of my friends who is a doctor, it kind of rationalized it in a way that she was like, look, if you can afford to go privately, whilst it is an incredibly privileged thing to do, you make space for someone who can't in the NHS. And I'm not saying that like, obviously, you know, that's not how everyone should be, but I do feel like I found myself in a position where I was like, I'm just going to have to, but it's a hard subject to tackle, Cherry. You know that like it's hard when, you know, we, 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 was, you know, you always have to kind of carry This is why, Alice, I understand your sensitivity and caution about talking about going private. And I really understand Mm. that. A, a obviously did the right thing you've got your diagnosis and you can now manage it and a diagnosis mm. is incredibly important a for a woman to not feel gaslit and alone but for you to now manage it but also well then that's where you know and if I had really if my daughter or I had problems we would go I would take us private as well unfortunately in the current mm. situation um and again I feel lucky however that's when 
what we can do is talk about it. So we're talk, you're mentioning your diagnosis. I'm talking about endometriosis. I'm, we're talking about he- the difference between a heavy period and something that needs intervention. Now, this is where we can be of help and give back is by talking about all of the different symptoms of the perimenopause and menopause. So if a woman is one of your listeners is listening and thinks, oh my God, I didn't feel like myself either. I thought I was just in a funny spot in my life. I mean, you may be, but it might just be because your progesterone levels are depleting. It might yeah. just be that. It's just a natural, mm. normal menopause. You can thrive in your 40s if mm. you have the right education. You're absolutely right. And I do think that's part of what I try and do is I always think, you know, if I can get access to these people, then I can make it accessible to those who follow me. Yeah. Gosh, this has been very me, me, me today. <laughs> One thing. Listen, I've loved every second of it. And it's really <laughs> important because I have not heard, I've heard of endometriosis more than I have. What is the condition that you have? Adenomyosis. A-D-N-O-M-Y-O-S-I-S, I think is, That's yeah. going to take me a good three months to be able to say, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to have to write that You've just got your head around anonymity. Anonymosis oh. is your next challenge. We'll go through all the A's. <laughs> yeah, I'm be able to say the word gynecological, so... <laughs> <laughs> One thing I genuinely, I, 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 I know that you need to head off soon, but one thing I am genuinely interested in is, is you just mentioned your daughter and the conversations that you're having and, you know, talking about these things is so important. You're absolutely right. But, you know, like I'm guessing that your relationship with your body has changed as you've gone yeah. through that, you know, perimenopause and how you experience periods and even just talking about those things. Like I know that, look, I remember when I first got my period, the last thing I wanted to do was tell my mom. I was absolutely mortified, even though she'd been so open and I had an older sister and la la la, you know, whatever. But like, I do think it's really important that we're sort of normalizing the conversation, even if it's like completely cringeworthy and your daughter's like, mom, shut up. <laughs> it's important, even if they just hear the language. Like, I don't know if I'd even heard the word menopause until, you know, the last kind of 10 years. Do you know what I mean? So how do you navigate that? Well, uh, ever since they were little, I've, you know, if they've been, uh, I'm sorry if this is too much people, but, you know, I, I hide my period and I talk about it very openly. And I talk about menstruation and my son knows why women menstruate and what what's going on. And my daughter's seen the management of, of period and menstruation. You know what I mean? And so there's no like, but obviously as, as they've got older, I haven't been as over, but, you know, if they're having a bath and you need to manage your menstruation, you know, I just do it. So th- but having said that, um, it's, she still finds it really, really hard to talk to me about it. And so I've done everything I can. I've used all the right gynecological words and I've been vocal and I've I've done it in a way that hopefully is casual. And I also think that menstruation is amazing. It's literally the gift of life. It's the reason we're here. It is like the magic stuff that means that we can be a portal. Women are these portals to another dimension. We literally bring new life into the world. It's and each of that, each of those lives are are unique, individual. We are ma- magical beyond words, and menstruation is the is the key to that. And so I'm grateful for its existence. So yeah, they've heard all of that. They've heard all of that yibber yabba. And so, but still, still, it's like, oh, mum, shut up. Um, <laughs> I'm really cap. I'm really conscious that I set an example to them of self-love. So when I had my daughter, I checked myself into therapy straight away. And I knew that I had some really unhealthy body ideas. And Mm. I knew that my self-love was not anywhere near what it should be. It's very critical of how I looked. I'm very athletic. I love sport. I'm really fast and I'm fucking strong. 
but I used to feel so, I'm like a beast. Um, I used to feel so, so ashamed of that. I'm really, really, was really ashamed of how sporty I was. Cause you know, in the nineties, you were supposed to be tiny and smoke Gaulois cigarettes and wear Calvin Klein's and be teeny weeny. Like being slim was not, no one cared about that. We want to be skinny. Like in the nineties, it was about being skeletally skinny and mysterious and I'm really loud and athletic. So I, I did not, I, I, I did not like myself particularly. So I went, checked into therapy and we did loads of work around that. And I'm, I, I remember saying to my therapist once, I was like, I think about being skinny so much that I'm worried if I get rid of that obsession, what am I going to think about? <laughs> it took up so much of my life and food and how not to eat. And of course, as a result, I wasn't healthy. And then I did get rid of it and it's a daily thing, but to be honest with you, it's been, therapy was just m- magical. And I'm very conscious of how I talk about myself around my daughter. So I talk about myself really, really nicely. So I'll come downstairs and I'll go, I just love my outfit today. I'm just banging. Just this outfit is banging in so many ways. And I don't ever talk about food regrets. If I eat, we have delicious food, we finish, we're full, and we and then we get on for the rest of our day. I'm really, uh, oh, there's no kind of, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, you know, I've had an apple today. So that means I can have pasta. That is just not allowed in my house. You eat, it's lush, you're full, get on with the rest of your day. You do your skincare. She's 13 now, so she's got this 14. Gosh, she's got the skincare routine. I mean, my God, it's like 18 steps. And she was always telling me off. She's like, I can't believe you put serum on dry skin, mom. Um, so I love having a daughter more than I can possibly say. My relationship with her is one of the great, great, slightly want to be sick on my shoes, joy of my life. So I'm really, really thankful for it. But I'm very conscious that she's going to watch me and think, and I want to teach her that it's really fun to love yourself. Mm. And that starts with how you act and what you say about yourself on a daily basis all day long. I couldn't agree more. And I think that we underestimate how powerful that kind of transcending of how we talk about oh, yeah. the, the smallest of passing comments, you know, can mm. be as a child. There are certain things that I remember hearing or seeing that I know were so deeply embedded in my mm. psyche of what what healthy was, what body shape I should be, what was good, what was bad. You know, it's 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 and and it's because, like we were in a fortunate position where we know more, and we understand more, and we and we have a privilege of being able to be much more educated about our health and well-being than ever before but but I think that um you know I also like I don't have children and I cannot speak on that but what I can say is I hope that you know god willing that I do I don't make too much of a thing of it like yeah so rather I I don't want to almost go this the other way and be like I'm on my period like (laughs) I just feel like it's It's, like it's it's balance but it's you know to do it it's to be have it as a natural but yeah but like you, I have to say, I, I'm I don't talk about my weight, my body, yeah. anything like that on Instagram because it took me such a long time to get it out of my life and to unpick it that actually it's not my battle to fight. And I so appreciate that lots of people do that, but 
I just want to be not. I just want to. I want it to not be a focus, central focus for me because it was such a huge part of my life, and now it's not. And I couldn't be happier to be free from the prison. Do you know how much I relate to that? That's literally my journey. You know, like if I completely. As soon as you said, "Oh, do you know how much energy and headspace it takes up?" I'm like, "Yes," because I've been there. <laughs> You're so right in the sense that you know, like. It's just the, the the constant obsession with wanting to be smaller is is it's like a job. It's like you you, you eat your breakfast and it's like you know you think about the it, it's and, and I and I speak to women all the time who are afflicted by this constant chatter in their heads. I should have this. Yeah. I shouldn't have that. I should be exercising more. I need to do this. And I just I'm so grateful to people like you for calling it out. And there's a couple of other people I think do an absolutely fantastic job of calling it out. Yeah. Um, and it's I'm I, I choose not to talk about it on my social media because of the nature of worrying that I'm going to slip back into it, and and because of the and enjoying the freedom of that not being a huge part of my life. But but there are but there are people who call it out and the ridiculousness of it, and mm. and I'm so grateful to them for choosing that. You have to choose your battles, and some people are fighting the fight, including you. And I'm happy very happy about that thanks my love thank you so much look I feel like I need to wrap up because I need to let you go on your merry way um but look I I actually I'd, I'd love to get you back on like I feel like there's so much that we didn't cover today I wanted to talk more about you know so much stuff that I I wrote loads of questions down because I was like oh I'm speaking to Cherry and then I oh, I, knew, I just knew that it was going to go that way I knew that we'd go off on a tangent and we'd start talking I wouldn't even look at my notes which I haven't oh so I'm always I, available for you so just <laughs> knock, knock on that door I'll be here. Well, thank you so much. And look, I the last thing I want to do is I know you've got some really exciting kind of wellness related stuff coming up um, in the next couple of months. So talk to me a little bit about what we can or where we can find you and enjoy you even more. <laughs> well, you can actually go on holiday with me. <laughs> oh, it's my true. goodness. I Sign know. me up. This is the best. Honestly, this is the best. So I'm doing some wellness workshops for Piano Cruises next year. Um, if you go on their site and type in wellness workshops or Cherry Healy, it'll it'll come up. If you've got a couple of girlfriends or if you're a guy or you do, you can even come as a single person because we're going to make sure that you're looked after and you're catered for. And I'm going to be doing workshops on sleep, skincare, exercise, optimizing your nutrition, um, alternative therapies. We're going to be doing a bit of breath work, a bit of journaling. But it's all going to be rooted in research and science. So I promise this is not woo-woo. This, this is backed up, science-based, wonderful additions to your life that are going to help you feel and look your best. So, and we'll get to hang out and have a proper laugh. And mm. so um, book on one of those. Um, and it's on their brand new, great, big, gorgeous ships that are you know, they're on sustainable fuel and they're beautiful and cool and they're just a very great venue to do this. And I, we get to see the world. I've never and been on a cruise before. I went on I'm, my first one last year and I'm going to say I was surprised. I absolutely love loved it. it. Oh, loved okay, it. I need to look into that. It's a huge ho- floating, I was just a huge floating hotel. I got up in the morning, I watched the sunrise, I went to the gym, I ate delicious healthy food, I explored islands. It's just, it was just, it was a very... Yeah, and musicals. Yeah, but you know what? In the evenings, I was having dinner with friends, and we had elegant dinners. We did go to a couple of some of the entertainment is just 
unbelievable. It's like I know. That's what, I'd, I'd literally love to go and see it. I'd just be at a music different music every also, night. You can have <laughs> elegant, elegant dinners and get an early night, which is oh, my favorite. Gorgeous. Movie. And tell me about your TV show. Inside the Factory is coming back, and we've Woo! got a new presenter, Paddy McGuinness. <gasps> no way. No. Another, I love a Paddy. I'm marrying a Paddy, so we love all Paddies. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm my TV, my new TV husband is called Paddy. So look, there we go. Another thing in common. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. We literally start filming very soon, so I'm thrilled because I love making that show. Love it. Cannot wait to watch that. Cherry, thank you so much. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm really, really grateful for your time today and your energy. And I, I, yeah, you have this way about you that makes it completely disarms any, any sense of like worry or fear or anything. You just make everyone feel like your best friend. I've watched you do it and you are a total pro at it. And it's, and it's lovely. It's the best quality you could want in someone. So thank you for sharing that with me today and my audience. Thank you. And guys, we'll put Cherry's links to her um, wellness cruise and also her Instagram and any other bits in the show notes if you want to have a look at that. And uh, yeah, I will catch you very soon. I hope so, Alice. Have a lovely day, my love. Thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode i would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping every week so it'll ensure that you don't miss out and one really exciting new feature is that i would love to solve your problems our podcast is centered around giving people strength and resilience and so if you have a question a problem or anything else you can send a message or a voice note to gms at insanityhq.com that's gms at insanityhq.com and me and my guest will spend a little bit of time at the end of every podcast answering your questions see you next time insanity group